You're listening to the Washington Hospitality Industry Podcast, your primary source of information related to the hospitality industry in Washington State. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining the webinar today. Um, the webinar is on buy sell market report for 2023. It's uh, if you're considering your hospitality or selling your hospitality business, uh, you want to find out what kinds of businesses have been selling here and um, and in tune for the 2023 market activity update and outlook is what we'll be doing, the outlook for 2024. Uh, with me today is um, Oliver uh, Cotellan Kiv Cove, excuse me, Cotellan Cove. Sorry about that, Oliver. No um, he's from IBA. He is the hospitality expert over at um, at IBA. So we're always glad to have him um, on our webinars to give a market update. So Oliver, you want to say hi real quick? Good morning, everybody. Appreciate everybody tuning in and looking forward to the presentation. So um, give you a little history about Oliver is um, he's actually a hospitality expert in that his family has owned um, restaurants in Washington. Um, and so he's not only, you know, in the transactions of, uh, helping members that, uh, want to sell or looking to buy, um, he's got practical experience. Um, so he really understands the industry very well. Um, I believe I heard him speaking that they've recently, uh, been expanding their hospitality, uh, coverage with, uh, adding additional folks onto their team. Um, and just Oliver, real quick, um, about how many transactions has IBA done in the Northwest? Uh, well, we're, uh, we've been um, in business since 1975 and with upwards of 4,000 transactions completed. Um, yeah. So well-versed well and knows the market uh, real well. Um, so as far as to get started here, um, Oliver, I think we'll start with just the summary of hospitality transactions through Q3. So what you've seen so far in uh, 2023. So what types of businesses uh, that have been sold? So let's go through, I think, types of businesses, what kinds of businesses are popular on the market that generating the strongest response. Mm -hmm. So what are you seeing in the hospitality industry there? And then um, and what's important to get a deal done? So kind of cover what uh, what kind of activity you've been seeing here. And in, uh, in, I guess what I'll say is the first three quarters of 23. Sure, sure, yeah. Um, so um, a, a robust level of activity um, all across the board. Um, we're seeing, you know, activity in fine dining, quick service restaurants, um, uh, you know, casual sectors such as cafes, bakeries, um, uh, lots going on and with wineries, breweries, distilleries. Um, you know, it's really opportunity specific and location specific. Um, you know, if the opportunity is strong and and uh, it attracts, uh, attracts the right buyer and uh, is in a location that's that, that's suitable. All of those have to come together for, for a buyer to, to commit um, to purchasing a business because we need to understand it's a large um, a, a large transaction and, and, and many boxes need to be checked. But as far as opportunities, you know, we find we tend to find buyers for, for you know 
most anything in hospitality is still a very popular sector. Would you say that um, transactions now are relatively flat to 2022? It's been up more, more has been going on, it's been down. What's what's the market activity like? I, you know, a big, I would say a big determining factor for businesses is distancing themselves from COVID. So the farther that we get away from the pandemic and the pandemic narrative, um, you know, the better, the stronger the activity level. So, I, you know, a business will need to have recovered from COVID and returned to either historical financial performance or thereabouts or, or, or having pivoted. Uh, and change their business model, but at any rate, having left the COVID narrative behind um, is 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 very important. So safe to say that a little increase in activity because of those that couldn't sell during COVID or retire during that period have now been able to kind of normalize the business and make those decisions moving on. E, e, yes, so so a little uh, revenge spending, I, I think, on the buyer side is is people have been sitting on the fence and waiting to see how right. that how that narrative is shaken out. You know, you, you do have other macroeconomic factors uh, that that you know are continually changing and entering the fold, um, and then impacting the level of activity. But but certainly, um, I, I would say a steady increase from twenty twenty one to twenty twenty two now 2023 and, and looking into the new year getting back sounds like we're getting back to a little bit of norm which is which is good because you know a year ago there was still the covid conversation was affecting a lot of people's on what decisions to make whether buy or sell um, correct so um why we're just talking a little bit about this particular portion um is there any kinds of business that are popular? I mean, you were pretty generic. It sounds like a lot of things are happening all across the board. Any particular segment that is a little bit more hotter than the other right now in hospitality? Um, I would say, you know, if, if I were to to, to, to to sort of rank them a little bit, I would say fast casual, kind of uh, quick and nimble um, opportunities. They can be franchised. They can be multi-location chains. Okay. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, a large lease commitment could be a deterrent. So uh, spaces that are um, able to pivot quickly um, on sort of economic news or, you know, no one thinks really COVID's coming back, but but it did uh, shake things up a little bit and tested the resilience of businesses. So a business model that has multiple, multiple outlets and generating revenue is, um, is a positive. And, and and certainly a plus, um, something that's scalable, um, uh, you know, something that has, I would say, you know, important parts besides revenue and profitability are the employees, right? What kind of an employee pool do we have in place? Is it steady? Um, middle management uh, is, is, is helpful if the owner um, is able to delegate and, and work on growing the business and be a business owner rather than, you know, a uh, large amount of daily hours, uh, actually working in, in the business. Um, so some of those are some of, you know, some of the more important factors. Right, right. Are you seeing more transitions or transactions, excuse me, in full service versus QSR or vice versa? You know, we've seen, uh, we've seen successful transactions in, in all sectors. I mean, we've okay. seen a, a recent sale of a, uh, 
a, a large-scale operation in Ellensburg with uh, 50 employees. We saw a sale of a bakery with, um, you know, we can or a cafe with five to six employees. Um, you know, we have uh, uh, classical diner opportunities, breweries. And all of those generate interest. Um, they're going to be probably, you know, um, 10 or so core questions that are going to apply really to every opportunity. And, and, and so those are, uh, like we just discussed, you know, what's, what has been the profitability and the revenue trend? What have you seen in terms of employees, um, issues, questions of whether it's leased or an owned opportunity. So real estate owned real estate can, can certainly be an asset. Um, you know, what has changed since COVID? Are there any positive new trends that, uh, that have emerged because many businesses pivoted and discovered entirely new sides uh, of, 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 uh, and used that opportunity or the crisis and sort of repurposed the crisis for, you know, for, for future new normal. Um, geography is important, right? So we've seen a lot of uh, um, good opportunities in uh, you know, smaller communities. You know, if uh, if you know if we're looking at, let's say, two things, right? Quality of earnings and and, and quality of life. If, if I can use that term, it's you know, and those questions are, what is the business generating in terms of uh, a living for for an owner operator, and then what happens outside of business hours? So if 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 someone's attracted to a, a smaller coastal community where they can be you know, 15 minutes away from the marina and they're a boater, right? That, that, that's an attractive business. Um, you know, that can be a lifestyle, what we call a lifestyle business where, where it's really the whole package. Um, you know, places like Wenatchee and Ellensburg that are close to recreational areas, skiing areas, um, you know, skiing, biking, uh, if any of those are attractive to uh, a business owner, an entrepreneur and their family, certainly that you know, enters the equation and makes the opportunity more attractive and again, delivers that whole package. So kind of following the residential trends and changes that have taken place. So let me ask you um, the, the Seattle factor, right? Mm -hmm. um, so um, obviously there's still some, some challenges down in downtown sure. of Seattle, the outer areas are, are, are coming back and, and those type of things, but how is, um, how, I, you know, I guess, how are the transactions, you know, are there more or less going on in Seattle right now? Have you seen a lot that's moved to the, to the, um, the suburbs of Seattle? You know, do you have more going on out in that particular area? Uh, more opportunities out there, you know, that type of thing. What do you, how would you define the Seattle factor at this point? And, you know, we can look at Seattle and King County. Um, and I'd say the larger counties in the state and, and the busier counties are Pierce, Snohomish, and King counties. You know, we've seen transactions in in King County and and some of them on the outskirts of King County and 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 certainly activity in Seattle itself. Seattle, you know, folks looking at businesses in Seattle will ask those specific questions. You know, if we're looking at downtown. Um, you know how 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 is the foot traffic? Is there you know element of crime? It, does that impact? Has that impacted revenues? Have have your customers returned uh, to those areas? So it, there's really not one um, 
all-encompassing blanket statement that I can make about Seattle. It is, uh, you know, different, sort of different uh, dynamics happening in different neighborhoods and areas of Seattle. Okay. Um, but it's, you know, it's still a busy market and it's a densely populated area where folks want to live and, and, and work. Okay, so it's still relatively stable? Fairly stable. Yes, okay. absolutely. Okay. Um, and so how's the east side of the state? I mean, you know, a lot of people have, have transitioned and moved and there's growth in new, you know, in, in, in counties that a lot of growth in some counties that haven't had some of that in the past prior to prior to COVID. Um, how are things, uh, how are the transactions as far as, you know, in Spokane and the southeast and et cetera over there? Sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we have an office in, in Spokane and have seen an uptick of activity in the eastern part of the state. I, you know, I do think costs of living have quite a bit to do with that. And 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 then this dovetails into what makes a business attractive, right? It's not just what the business is generating in revenue or profitability or, or what kind of lifestyle amenities surround it, but but, but what does it cost to live in that community, right? And if we're talking about Seattle, then, then that has been a fairly important factor. Cost of living has, has jumped significantly, um, prompting maybe some, you know, we can call urban flight, right? And, and, and moving to other outlying areas in, in the Eastern part of the state um, has certainly benefited from increased activity, both in, uh, you know, in sales of businesses and in commercial real estate. Um, we have um, uh, listings in uh, Northeast Washington, so Okanagan County, um, uh, areas like Winthrop and Twisp, um, Snohomish County, moving slightly the other way, uh, Wenatchee, Ellensburg, Spokane, Tri Cities. Uh, okay. All of those, all of those, have seen, uh, I would say, levels of activity equal to Pierce King and Snohomish counties, which are traditional. Um on both the buy sell the so interested in absolutely. selling and interested in buying okay okay absolutely yes okay. so um i'm sure there's a few online here that um you know want to know what are the most important aspects of getting a deal done in 2023 mm -hmm. um and you know and that outlook so what uh what's what's the most what would you say are the top things that uh, you'd like to share with the membership or the members on uh, getting a deal done? Uh, I, I would say, number one, start with preparation. Um, recognize that selling a business is a um, fairly unique, uh, nuanced transaction. It takes some time to evaluate the business, prepare it for market, understand what your business is worth uh, and what's impacting those factors. Um, it could include, you know, tailoring expectations. You may not, your idea of what the business is worth or what it was worth several years ago, maybe more, it may be less, but, uh, you know, doing the groundwork to really understand um, what it is, you know, what your exit's going to look like, right? Understanding timeline, you know, if we're touching on outlying areas and smaller counties, um, we're probably looking at six months to a year from, from listing the funding, really exiting a business. Um, it could be faster, but 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 we've seen that timeline. Um, you know, prioritizing prioritizing your exit and and as owners, you know what's important. Certainly, the exit dollars are important, uh, 
but then down the list, um, employees can 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 play a role, right? And then who the buyer is. Uh, and while those factors are important, we're going to do the best to, to really uh, put two compatible parties together. Uh, but I think oversubscribing to who the buyer is or needs to be uh, can be a deterrent because we may not find that exact person. Um, and at that point, saying, you know, it's important that I exit and I retire for maximum market value and putting that uh, front and center. Hey, you know, really preparation and and then meeting, uh, meeting with professionals and uh, learning what the process is all about and allocating a little bit of time towards that portion. So if you're exiting in 2024, um, right now in early 2020, early 2024, between now and beginning of the year would be a good time to to start having those conversations and asking the questions. So what's the range of, of multiples for EBITDA that indicate value? Hmm. We're probably looking for somewhere between two and four for um, um, food and beverage, retail opportunities, or hospitality opportunities. Uh, you know, it does depend on uh, the type of business model that it is, right? So, you know, for instance, a single location, um, Retail single retail location is represents one level of risk and is and 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 will have a certain multiple attached to it. If we're if the business model is more diversified and and, and you may have five or six locations, um, that reduces the risk and increases the uh, the multiple that someone's willing to pay for that business. Um, but but yeah, all of that is part of the evaluation and determining sure. that based on yeah. Sure, and um, and and can obviously you know that that's a good range. Um, it's probably somewhat of an average range. Um, I'm sure there's factors of whether you've got a franchise brand versus non-franchise brand, et cetera, et cetera. And um, reliability, right? And so, and, and just you know, what does the multiple represent? So if it's a if it's a two x and a two multiple, that's a that's a two year return. On someone's investment, right? So you know, four-year multiple represents a twenty-five percent return, right? And so the longer, the more reliable and the more consistent the business model is, and has shown consistency, you know, the more an investor buyer would be willing to pay for it based on the safety and um, of that investment. Do you help um, sellers, and do you help those that are selling, right? Um, Bear sell side, IBA is a sell side representation firm. Yeah, right? yeah. So to to kind of help address that that EBITDA, and then and then on the the other side of that, right, the buyer side about what to expect. So it sounds like that expectations is somewhere between two and four on both sides. Um, but if you know you're representing me as a buyer, right? I want to try and get my best price. And if you're representing me as seller as selling, I want to try and get my best price, right? It sure. doesn't change. It doesn't change. Um, yeah. How do you address that reality of of really narrowing down those numbers between between two and four percent, maximizing the value and the opportunity, maximizing the value for the seller? but maximizing the opportunity for the buyer. 
Yeah. So, you know, we, we want to deliver to our client, the seller, every, every dollar that the marketplace will support. So, you know, at the same time, um, overvaluing the business uh, beyond what the market will bear and, and, and beyond what is considered, you know, customary range um, will result unnecessary days on the market and, 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 and just time wasted on both sides. So we, we want to be realistic and we want to be able to justify that value once we list at that price. We are going to need to justify it not only to the buyer, the buyer and seller can agree to, to, to any, any figure out there, um, but also to a buyer's accountant, to a buyer's financial advisor, to their attorney, to a bank, right? So if we have an SBA financing or conventional financing, at any rate, an outside lender, um, you know, they're, they're part of that transaction and they're going to do an independent evaluation. Now, if the buyer and the seller or my evaluation as, as the sell side broker has inflated that value, I'm not going to be able to deliver those funds to, to closing if they're not realistic. So it doesn't behoove us to, to lower the value in any, you know, sense or form. We, we really do want to deliver uh, every last penny that, that we can to, to the seller to the extent that we can support it and justify it in the marketplace. Um, and, and, and that would be... No, I was going to say, how much of that is connecting the right buyer to the right seller? I mean, every seller has a story, right? And part of that story is also what my establishment hasn't done. In other words, what, you know, the, the vision of the future as well. I mean, so, you know, they've been in that business for ever how long, right? And they might be leaving and yet seeing opportunity yet that has not been. Uh, has not, not been realized. Yeah, not, and again, not, being, you know, both parties here and being fair to both sides, every seller and every business has a story and every buyer has options, right? right? So they're not looking at just your business. They're looking at probably multiple opportunities. Um, and, you know, as we touched on earlier, some of the story and the emotional connection can be a powerful anchor, right? If somebody sees a business in a town that they grew up in and they want to return to it, you know, there are going to be factors beyond the multiples and the numbers and figures that, that are going to be very powerful in influencing their decision. Right. But but at the same time, if it if if we're outside of the range of customary and reasonable, it's very easy to, to, to stand out in the wrong kind of way because the the buyer and their broker are looking at other opportunities and they're saying, well, here's you know, we've looked at, you know, 15, 20 businesses. Here's what the rest of them are are, are valued at or the range that they're at. And so here's this business that's appears to be high, right? And then they'll want to understand why, which is where, you know, an experienced broker comes in and says, well, we've done a detailed evaluation. <clears throat> here's here's why we came up with that value. Here's how we're looking at the value. Um, and here's how we're justifying, right? So you need, to, you need to be able to stand behind that narrative, which is really the reason to do a detailed evaluation for a broker is to learn all those, all those points. Okay. Um... So someone who is paying in cash, right? Mm -hmm. What percentage of the sell price do you see paid in cash? And how often uh, does the seller carry a note as payment? So seller financing is a good question. We're, you know, we're 
in a, at an economical sort of macroeconomical time here where uh, where interest rates are high so that's probably a little bit more prevalent um, uh, but you know a typical seller note could be your typical structure if there's a bank a buyer and a seller um, it, you know it could be 70 percent of the funding is delivered by the bank, 20% down payment by the buyer, and then 10% carried by the seller for, for some amount of time, right? So seller financing is not always used for reasons of uh, completing funding. Sometimes the buyer and the bank want that piece there to, to demonstrate the commitment of the seller, their confidence in the business, uh, their obligations, if there are any transition training, to make sure that um, that everything that the buyer is purchasing is really in good faith delivered. So it's a little, it can be a little bit of an insurance policy as well as a uh, funding piece. Um, but but we do seller financing is it is a common element. It's always at the end of the day, it's 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 up to the seller who they extended to and and how much and and really all those terms of the deal. Um, are up to the seller to decide. We want to look at the deal and the offer kind of in a holistic fashion to where we see all of those pieces, right? So if if the deal is, for instance, you know, the, if the rest of it is cash, ninety percent is cash and ten percent is seller financing, you know, that looks like an easy exit strategy. And I like the buyer; they have relevant experience. I'm confident that they'll run the business successfully and repay me. And there's some collateral. Uh, then I'm confident, right? If there's a bank involved um, and now I have a financing contingency, maybe the buyer doesn't have so much experience. Maybe I have doubts about their ability to run the business. You know, as a seller, then if I'm asking to carry part of the balance, I'm looking at that a little bit differently. You see much, I mean, you mentioned the, a bank requirement where they would have a seller involved for maybe 10% or something like that. Uh, so that's, you know, I, I have not heard of that very often. Does that happen often or is that general? Is that, is that rare? It's not rare. Um, it, it's sometimes it's bank specific. It deal, it's deal specific. Uh, it depends on what other elements are at play, but, but, it, but it is a fairly common piece of, of business sales. Okay. That's interesting. That's a new one for me. Um, if, if we've gotten a little off track, it's, uh, basically That's okay. we, we yeah. got, we got members asking questions here, so I want to make sure we get them in sure. and the evident question is always, always one of the most popular ones in, in all these, uh, the, whenever we do webinars and talk about buy, sell. So, um, I've always said you, you're not going to escape a meeting without having to answer that question. All right. And, go ahead. and I, and I know there's a lot that goes into that, um, yeah. because, uh, Everyone just wants an easy answer. Four, four point five. That's what I want, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, and I want to buy it at two. Um, yeah. But no, I I understand that that's really business specific and and what opportunities there are. Um, so here's a question: um, How to evaluate multifunctional dining in with seven thousand square foot event space with a commercial kitchen? So how, these these businesses, right, that aren't your standard, right, that kind of how how do you address multiples with those? Yeah, so you know, just right off the bat, there there really is no standard. That's how a business is different than a residential property. Is that just there isn't an exact comp ever. There isn't that particular business with, okay. with all those elements. So so there is always going to be a variance. 
we need to look at those elements separately. You, you know, if, if you have a food service operation that has a catering component, well, then you're, uh, you know, then, then, you know, how much of the revenue is coming from, from what's the revenue by category? So how much of the revenue is coming from the restaurant? How much of it is coming from catering, right? So if it's 90% restaurant and 10% catering, then that may not be a separate element, right? If you're doing uh, half and half and, and, and you're doing lots of corporate events, you have a established client list, then we do look at that separately. Um, event space, are we actually generating revenue from leasing that event space to potential clients? If it's something that can be an eventuality um, and, 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 and represents potential future earnings, uh, then potential future earnings are different than historically verifiable earnings, right? So we have to put that into that category of, well, it, it may not happen, right? It may not happen. It, it, it's a nice selling point, but but how do we categorize it? Does it increase the multiple? It's a positive. It's certainly a positive to have different tools at your disposal for generating revenue. It's just how much of it is verifiable and documented and, and how much of it represents a real opportunity for the buyer. Right? Okay. So what return on sales percent do buyers look for from potential acquisitions? What return on sales percent? So are we talking about sort of what, what profitability margins, you know, a typical hospitality business you know, a high uh, is probably somewhere between, you know, 15 and 20% of net profitability. So if, um, if that's the question, if I'm understanding the question correctly, um, a, you know, there is a range and, and it can be as low as 10%. It can be lower, but obviously the lower, the less of your money that you're keeping, Right. If you're if you're making a million dollars in sales and, and keeping a hundred thousand as profitability, you know, that's 10 percent. Right. So so that's going to be on the lower end. If uh, You know, if your business model is keeping two hundred and fifty thousand on, on a million, that's a twenty five percent return on revenue. And that's more attractive. Right. So there can be elements there that a buyer can look at it as a. Um, sort of a. Um, a to-do list and, and a way to improve, right? So, so there are very experienced operators who come in and, and look for those areas and for those opportunities to say, well, gosh, I've got an existing infrastructure. I can improve, you know, the office and admin costs. I can improve labor costs. I can improve, I have increased buying power. I can improve, improve cost of goods. Um, so that, so, so there is opportunity in there, but you want to be keeping somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 20%. Sure. of every dollar that you bring in if if that's the question I no, understand. It's, it, no it's it, no I, I think you answered that that perfectly um it, it obviously depends on what that also what that business is currently doing and then right. you know whether there are efficiencies with the change in operation or not right absolutely um and if you're acquiring that means you have something and you have some history and you have some experience to be able to weigh in on that uh, here's a great question. I, I don't get this one very often, so this is a good one. How do you weigh in or assign goodwill uh, yeah. brand in an evaluation? Yeah, so it's a good question. And, and uh, so goodwill, blue sky, right? These terms are 
they seem ephemeral, but but recognize people vote with their dollars. So goodwill actually is profitability because if you are a reputable business and you have goodwill, presumably people frequent your business and they buy your product. If 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 that goodwill represents what that represents is that they just you know talk about you at parties and say gosh this is a good restaurant but i'm not eating dinner there then really you know then it falls a little bit short of goodwill right then it's just maybe a, a good reputation but uh but i would say i guess reputation and goodwill are uh are measured in profitability so we we need to see that goodwill in the financials and and, and to, to apply a multiple to that goodwill because that's your that's your multiplier right you have you have the revenue multiple and then that's uh, multiplied by your goodwill ultimately that's the goodwill value is is um, uh, is profitability times a multiple and uh, what about uh, the equation of opportunity in that um, yeah in that goodwill um you know you can you could you see that with larger brands right that will will come in especially on the franchise side right is right. yeah yeah um yeah, but, so but you know you still have some non-franchise sides out there that again have good reputations and good brands and the opportunity to expand those brands with that brand. I mean, it, it, you know it, it, it's a conversation piece and ultimately it's can we justify it to a buyer right if we're trying to get if we're trying to get money for it up front, can we build a narrative that that is right believable? And somebody says, "Well, yeah, this is this is really a growth opportunity in the next three to five years for me." So, uh, you know, if it's conjecture and it's our opinion, uh, you know, then the buyer is is you know is free to respond to that and evaluate that how they will, because until it's happened, right? So very often, you know, um, we'll bring in um, um, things like earnouts, for instance, and those are meant to address potential future revenue. So if we are saying that it's gonna reach, right, we're doing 2 million now, but we're saying it can reach 3.5 in two years, you know, if that's the case, then we can have it in the agreements that if it reaches, uh, if it reaches those volumes, then uh, you know, then the buyer will will be happy to pay a portion of that revenue, right? So that's the way to address an uncertainty on both sides. Okay, that's that's an excellent way to address it. Um, let's change topics and move forward a little bit. So the outlook for 2024. Um, mm -hmm. What do you expect uh, if you're considering selling in the next 12 to 18 months? Um. We're expecting good things, and we're expecting, uh, you know, uh, busy activity. Um, we do need, uh, you know, a little bit of help from um, from uh, interest rate stability, um, and that's a little bit more of a, a financing question and a, and a banker question. But but that but that does create some level of uncertainty and maybe takes um, some buyers out of the buying pool and, and and kind of keeps them in a holding pattern. Overall, though. Uh, I, I wouldn't suggest anything drastically different than what we've discussed here and focusing really on as an owner, you know, the best thing you can do is to continue running your business uh, to the best of your ability and keeping the numbers strong. Right. So, um, you know, if you're considering listing in 2024, 
um, rounding out the 2023 financials uh, fairly early in the year and, and filing a tax return, uh, going to market on a strong, fresh, recent tax return. Uh, I can't stress enough this, uh, the importance of recent financials and, and, and recent numbers. Um, you know, and, and and again, starting that conversation early with uh, talking to brokers and uh, deciding whether whether you want representation, which is highly recommended, and 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 really who you want to be represented by in the marketplace. Uh, as an owner, you you need to be comfortable uh, with with your representation, and, and you need to trust the broker that you're working with. So, uh, you know, some of that does require groundwork and time, and, and putting in putting in some time to prepare. Overall, we're expecting, like I said, we're expecting a good level of activity and, and you know, so far, really nothing has um, prevented willing parties from, from coming together to, to, to make a deal and, and from strong businesses finding qualified buyers. So without holding you accountable to the crystal ball, um, <laughs> uh, obviously the national impact of, of interest rates, right, affects everybody. Um, you've seen that at this point stabilized and and we're at the peak of that, or do you see that uh, you know getting getting creating more difficulty in the buy sell relationship? Um, what what would be your forecast? Such a uh, probably not a fair question, but what would be your forecast? Yeah, for yeah I, difficulty. You know, is I don't see it being a difficulty. It's going to be a conversation piece. Uh, you know, having a relationship with with a qualified SBA lender is is the key for buyers. We continue to see, you know, despite despite the kind of the national or the larger narrative, we continue to see uh, deals getting funded and are doing so successfully. Um, you know, rumors and murmurs. Yes, it's supposed to slow down and 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 stabilize, but we we need to. I think the key is to focus on the factors that that we can impact. So as a business owner, uh, you have no control over what the interest rate will be, right? You have control over when you go to market and you have control over what your business does and how it will appear in the marketplace. Ultimately, financing is a buyer issue and a buyer concern, and and, and they need to deliver that to closing if 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 they want to secure a, a strong opportunity. So we'll, We'll, we'll we'll present the strong opportunity. We'll let them decide how they want to pay for it. So I have another great question for you. Yeah. Um, does your experience indicate ghost kitchens were a COVID fad or is it a growing trend and desire of buyers? You know, I don't think it's a desire of buyers. I, I, I think there is, you know, a place for it. I, I, I think ultimately... Um, people, you know, hospitality is a, it's a philosophy of welcome, right? People want to share uh, experiences. They want to be in a place with, uh, with friends and family and, and celebrate occasions together and uh, maybe go to the same place and over and over for certain dates. Uh, I, I think there's room for ghost kitchens and they don't necessarily take away from traditional hospitality i don't think they're a threat i think we'll always want to be you know in in a place with friends and family and um 
I don't think a ghost kitchen ever replaces that. It's a convenience, right, that we all need on occasion. It's a it's a delivery convenience, um, yeah. obviously, and uh, yeah, it's hard to escape the human interaction we ultimately want to go back to, right? We do, absolutely. So yes. it's uh, yeah, it's um, I, and I would assume that's somewhat related to um, a city environment versus a, a non-city environment, right? A city environment, you might have that more so than you would in a rural area. Um, buy, sell, hold recommendations for different types of hospitality businesses. What's your, what's yeah. your, I mean, what, what's your recommendations as you look at these different hospitality businesses for the outlook on 24? So I, you know, I would say the best time to sell is when you're strong. So okay. you, you want to come at it from a position of strength and, and, and be on the market when your business is doing well. When, when you're prepared, uh, all the documents are in order. Uh, we have a strong sales trend. Um, we're, you know, we're coming at it from a position of strength. If, if there's work to do, whether that's, you know, staffing or, uh, you know, tail end of recovery from COVID, whatever the case may be, um, hey, we can certainly still position the business, but, but it's going to have that caveat, you know, the best way to, 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 you know, to, to be on the market is, is, is just, you know, we're at, is at your peak. Um, so if there's work to do, you know, that doesn't prevent you from doing an evaluation, um, and, and learning about what the task list looks like, because you may be surprised by what's impacting your value, um, positively or negatively, you may be surprised by the number, um, you know, if you don't know what you're likely to walk away with, I, I would say, I, you know, proceed uh, proceed to some preliminary steps and, and then gather the information before deciding uh, to go to market. I would say the worst thing you can do is call a broker and say, I need to be sold in three months. Um, you know, that that's a tough, that's a tough, tough deal. And you're, and, and you're, you're going to leave dollars on the table. All right. Before we let you go, any announcements at IBA? Yeah, um, we are growing. Um, growing. We we are growing. Yeah. So uh, added a sister offices in Oregon. Bend, Oregon has a new office, and we have uh, we have multiple new uh, brokers in our Bellevue uh, and Spokane offices. So we're we're ready for activity. We're expecting good activity and. Um, are prepared for it and have the bandwidth. So if anybody's interested in exploring uh, exit avenues, please reach out. So is that an indication that things are moving forward and growing and getting out of COVID? Well, you, you, you didn't, you didn't, you said you wouldn't hold me to a crystal ball, but I, you know, I just sort of yeah. indirectly gave away my position on the topic. Yeah, so, yeah, you, yeah you definitely did. You're very quiet about the market is, and obviously it's, it's heated up a little bit and your, your changes just pointed to that. So we're um, bullish. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Conservative, that's the way to be, right? That way you 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 do a great job. Um, and then it looks like I've noticed uh, you've also done some um, some in, some uh, hospitality. So you're you're finding more dedication to hospitality. I noticed in the business. Um, I mean, it started off, you know, 
years ago with you guys as a relationship with in the hospitality industry focused on that but obviously it's expanding you've got more dedication going to it with the new location more people and 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 website upgrades and, and things like that what's the best way for someone to reach out oliver you want to shout out your contact information real quick yeah, you can reach me directly at uh, oliver at ibainc.com. Um, shoot me an email. Uh, you mentioned the website. Yes, the website has grown specifically in, uh, in regard to hospitality. We actually have a dedicated hospitality page that uh, lists the opportunities that are currently available. Uh, so it, it's generally a fantastic resource for anybody beginning the journey of exploring the potential sale of their business so there are lots of blog articles um obviously opportunities currently for sale uh, you know different topics to explore uh, general information on buying and selling a business um, but yeah feel free to reach out directly and we can certainly take it from there so that's oliver at ibainc.com.com yep yeah. So Oliver at IBA, you want to shout out your cell number or a phone number to reach you? Uh, it's so 425-454-3052. All right. I want to thank you, Oliver. I want to recommend Oliver. Um, he's been a good friend of many members and have helped a lot of people out. As you can see that, uh, I mean, he is an expert at, uh, and his firm is an expert at buying and selling and helping members with uh with you know what their next steps are in um in hospitality so if you're looking to sell if you're looking to buy uh you should talk to oliver um i, I there's others out there i'm sure that you might want to chat with but um i would not go through the process without talking to him as well because um i, I mean he knows his stuff and so i i I personally like uh, supporting Oliver because of his connection in the hospitality industry and understanding our business. So Oliver, I appreciate you. Uh, I'm glad we did this webinar. Uh, we'll get this posted out on our, our website. Lisa will take care of that. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, support. Uh, thanks for support, Raquel. I appreciate that as well. And uh, Oliver's contact information is in the chat link for those that want to pick it up. And Oliver, I just want to thank you again. Um, yeah, thank you. It's good that we keep up on this a couple times a year so people know what's happening in the marketplace. So I we do appreciate you. I appreciate the opportunity to be a resource. Thank you. Okay, and thank you members for joining. We appreciate you as well. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Washington Hospitality Industry Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, wahospitality.org where you can learn more about the restaurant and lodging industries and the Washington Hospitality Association. Be sure to subscribe to the show in iTunes, Google, Spotify, or iHeartRadio so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Thank you so much for that effort. Until next time.